The following audio is from LifePoint Church, located in O'Fallon, Missouri. For more information about LifePoint Church, visit us online at thelifepointconnection.com. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and grab those. We're going to be in Hebrews chapter 2 this morning. We're going to crack open uh, chapter 2. It took us a couple weeks to get through chapter 1. In the first week, I covered about three verses. Uh, The second week, I covered the rest of the chapter, but uh, today we are breaking in chapter two. If you're just now joining us, let me welcome you. My name's Eric. We have started a sermon series through the book of Hebrews, and we're going to go through it line by line with a little break for Christmas. Uh, Even if it takes us 100 weeks or so, we're going to go through it. Um, If if you don't have a Bible, I want to encourage you to take one out of the seat backs in front of you. Uh, If you don't own a Bible, I want to just tell you that that is our gift to you. You can take that home with you. Uh, If you want a nicer one. Uh, you could probably stop out by the lost and found and find one with someone else's name on it. You can scratch that off or something. Maybe, I don't know. I mean, they're out there, so see if you can get one. Uh, here's, what's, here's what's awesome. Uh, the, the whole chapter uh, through the book of Hebrews, uh, we see that it is a, a celebration of Jesus. It's a declaration of Jesus. It's talking about how Jesus is uh, the son of God to come and save us and that Jesus is better than everything. The whole chapter is a declaration. Uh, But what also is interesting is that there's not one rule in chapter one. There's not one command. There's not one mention of you and I ought to do this or go here or, or, or be here or do this thing. There's not one command. The whole thing is about Jesus. And so if you look in chapter 1, verse 1, it starts out saying long ago in many times in many ways that God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things. And so the, the, the book begins with God wants to speak. And that God has spoken, and God has spoken long ago to the prophets, but now he has spoken to us by sending his son. And this last days, that term last days, it just simply means that this coming of Jesus is the final message. There's not another message because all other messages from here on out all point to Jesus. All messages before Jesus point to Jesus. Jesus coming is the message that God wants to communicate with us. And so after that first verse, what's interesting about chapter 1 is that it's followed by 13 more verses about Jesus. I mean, just Jesus after Jesus. I mean, verse 2, it says that Jesus is the heir of all things. It says he's the creator of all things. It says that he's the radiance of God's glory, that Jesus is the exact imprint of the God's nature. That's verse 3. It says that Jesus upholds all things together by the word of his power. That's verse 3. You can see why we took a whole week to spend on the first three verses. All of that is in the first three verses. It says, after that, he made purification for sins, and he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. That's verse three. Then it goes into verse four, that he's greater than angels. He's greater than angels because chapter one says that all the angels worship him. And not only do all the angels worship him, all the angels listen to him. They minister by him. And so Jesus says, angels go minister, and they go minister. So Jesus is better than the angels. And it says that he is the mighty eternal God. Verse 8 and verse 11, we have God the Father calling the Son God. 
So Jesus is the Son of God in the flesh that has come to us as a message from God wanting to speak to us. So the entire first chapter, follow me, is God reminding us that God has spoken, that God is speaking through his Son, that Jesus is the creator, that Jesus is the sustainer, that Jesus is the author of all things, that Jesus is the owner of all things, that he is the ruler, he is the king, and he is the purifier of all sins, past, present, and future. But it's not until we get to chapter 2 right now that we see the first command. We see actually the first thing, how we should respond to this Jesus being better than everything. We see the first command, and let me tell you, this command is not burdensome, but light. Jesus says that my burdens are easy. Take my yoke upon you. It's not heavy. He says it's light, but it carries with it an eternal weight. Are you with me on that? This command that he's about to get into is light, but it has eternal ramifications. Chapter 2 begins with the word Therefore, now I'm going to stop right there because every time you see the word therefore in the Bible, you have to ask the question, what's the therefore, therefore? <laughs> that's, a, that's a great rule. Whenever you're reading the Bible, you see the word therefore, you can't stop right there. You've got to go backwards because he's going to add on to what he just said. Therefore, so it says, therefore, some of the Bible, some of your translations may say, for this reason. Anyone have that? So he says, for this reason, we want to know what the reason is. We want to know what's the therefore, therefore. And it is extremely important because the word therefore is going to determine for you whether what he says next is burdensome or light. You with me on that? And so here's what it says. In other words, the therefore means that because chapter one, Therefore means because Jesus is better, because Jesus is creator, because Jesus is author, because Jesus is better than the angels, because Jesus is the purifier of sins, because Jesus sits at the right hand of the majesty on high, because Jesus is better, therefore, listen to what it says, we must, we must pay much Closer attention to what we have heard. So the first command in the book of Hebrews is to pay attention to Jesus. Because Jesus is better. Because Jesus is, because Jesus, pay attention to Jesus. He says, look carefully, listen carefully to Jesus. And so I've got to ask you the question right out of the bat here, right? I've got to ask you, what are you listening to? Who are you listening? Whom are you listening to? That's the question. If God has spoken to us by Jesus, through Jesus, the question is, are you listening to Jesus? I mean, we're all listening to something, aren't we? What are you listening to? Are you listening to your heart? Are you listening to your friends? Are you listening to what, what the culture says? You got to ask the question, who are you listening to? Who are you paying attention to? When you listen to someone, you know what you do? You make provisions. When you want to listen to someone, you make provisions to listen to them. Let me tell you what I mean. How many of you have been to a concert this year? How many of you have been to the Muni this year? <laughs> 
How many of you have been to the movies this year? How many of you have a Spotify playlist? All right, how many of you still download music? How many of you listen to talk radio? All right, how many of you, how many of you still buy CDs? Dang, obsolete, right? I got my first CD when I was a senior in high school. That's how old I am. Before that, it was tapes. I listened to tapes until high school. They're cheering because they still have tapes. And they refuse to get rid of them, although they can't play them. There's valuable stuff on there. Listen, when, when you want to listen to something, you make provision. You buy the CD. You buy the album. You download it. You get it on Spotify. You buy the ticket to go hear the I can't wait to hear them live. I'm going to go listen to my favorite band. I'm going to go watch my favorite show. I'm going to buy a movie ticket because I really want to go to the movie. And so when you want to listen to something, you make provisions to do it. And so let me ask you, when it comes to listening to Jesus, are you making provisions? Eric, how do I know if I'm listening to Jesus? Well, are you, are you taking time to do it? Are you making provisions to do it? Are you seeking it out? Are you listening to Jesus? Let me tell you usually what happens. I'll explain it like this. How many of you guys have been on a flight before? Any flyers? You guys fly regularly? Okay. When you're on a flight, there's a flight attendant. The last flight I was on uh, was when we took the team down to Mexico last year, and and you can always tell anybody anybody not flown before any new new people never flown never flown. Okay, we got several in here. Uh, okay, you can always tell the new people on the plane, right? You can always tell the noobs not by their skins, but by like whether they're paying attention or not. That was a Fortnite reference, by the way. <laughs> Anybody Fortnites? Okay, all your parents out there, geeks, right? Fortnite is popular. So here's the deal. <laughs> they call them noobs, the new people, the new to the game, the rookies. You can always tell the rookies on the plane. You know how? They're listening to the flight attendant. <laughs> Their eyes are glowing. like, this is my first time on the flight. I need to know what's going on. And so even though they know how to buckle a seatbelt, they're like taking notes. Okay, put that thing in there. Click, click. Pull it tight. Okay, got it. Right? And so they're like, okay, here's the belt. Right? Uh-huh. And here's the exits here, and there's exits here, and they're, and they're taking their... They got the map out. You know the map that is in the sea bag? They're like looking at, okay, where am I? A, B, C. Gotcha. Okay. All right. They're looking at the map, right? They're, they're mapping it out. They're listening. And, and then the flight attendant goes, okay, if for some reason, right, we lose all the air in the plane, this little mask is going to come out of the ceiling. You're going to put that over your mouth, you know, strap it on, pull it like this, right? And then you can help Grammy, and then you you can help your kids, but do it to you first, right? And if we crash in the ocean and you can't swim, then there, your seat cushion is a flotation device. You're going to be okay. And so all of the new people are like, ooh, and you're like, put your hand down. Are we going to die? Oh, stop, right? All the new people, they're listening intently, but everyone else on the plane, they got their earbuds in. They're reading their books. They got their magazines out. They're actually asking the flight attendant, can you keep it down? I'm trying to sleep here. But listen, all they're trying to do is get you out alive. All they're trying to do is to make sure that you get home safe. And you know what I realize? Is that flight attendants and pastors have the same job. 
all I'm trying to do is help you get out of here alive, right? All I'm trying to do is make sure you get home safe. And you know what the majority of people do? I'm going to listen to something else. We just ignore it. We don't even hear it. We don't even listen. And, and so what's happening in this book, in chapter 2, the author is pleading with us. Pay attention. He says, pay attention to Jesus. Like there's this, there's this angst. There's this urgency for these people. And he says, listen, you, you've lost focus of your salvation. You've lost focus of Jesus. You're going back the way that you came from. He says, don't do that. You've got to listen to Jesus. Pay attention to Jesus. Tune into Jesus. Don't tune him out. He says, pay attention to Jesus. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this one down. The first command in the Christian life is not labor for Jesus, but rather listen to Jesus. Look to Jesus. Hebrews is going to say later, fix your eyes on Jesus. The first command that we are to step into as Christians is to listen to Jesus. Don't, don't, it's not, it's not do this, don't do this, go here, go here. It's not, not do these things. It's just simply listen to Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus. As we live the Christian life, we must continue to be a people who are about God's word and God's voice, and we must learn to listen to Jesus. Listen, pay attention to Jesus. Amen. And we must do this very closely, it says. We must do this with, a, with not a casual being, but rather an urgency. We don't ever go to Jesus like we've already know how to buckle our seatbelts. We already know how to do this. We already heard this. You don't, you don't just go to Jesus like you already know and you have nothing to gain. He says, listen, there's, a, there's an urgency here. Listen to Jesus. You don't just simply go to Jesus when you're having a hard time or a dark crisis or, or you go into church. That's not, no, always listen to Jesus. What are you listening to? This is to all Christians. He says, pay attention to God's word. Pay attention to God's word. So listen, what are you, what are you listening to? Listen, if people want to come and encourage you, if people want to give you advice, if people want to help you in the direction of your life, listen, if they're not talking about this, they ain't talking. All right, well, you're not listening. I don't want to just listen to, to opinions and thoughts and, and perspectives. I want to listen to Jesus. And he says, because we have a, a heart that wants to go the other way. Listen, he says, listen, all the more, pay much more closer attention to this. Pay attention to Jesus. That's the message of God. Pay attention to Jesus. And so why? Why should we pay attention to Jesus and his salvation? Why do we pay attention to Jesus? Why so much weight and so much importance on this listening? Is because what happens is when we don't pay attention, he's going to tell us what happens when we put the earbuds in. Look in chapter 2, verse 1 again. Since God has spoken to us by Jesus, therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we've heard Lest we, give me that word, drift away from it. Everyone say drift. Okay, follow me. The first reason why we should pay attention to Jesus is chapter one. He's better. 
Listen to Jesus because he's creator. Listen to Jesus because he's the author. Pay attention to Jesus because he's the sustainer. Pay attention to Jesus because he's the ruler. Pay attention to Jesus because he sits on his throne. That's the first reason. But the second reason is a warning. Pay attention to Jesus lest you drift away. Drifting. It's the only time in the New Testament that word is used. You know what it means? It means to float by. It's a reference to something floating, drifting down a river. It's like if you've ever been to a river, ever been to a stream, you see that stick, that piece of bark, the leaf, maybe the dead fish, drifting down the river. Listen to me. Your life and my life, it's not a lake and it's not a pond. It's a river and it's a river that's flowing. And the end of the downstream of the river is a waterfall of destruction. At the end of the river is a waterfall that will destroy you. Now follow me because it takes no effort and no might and no motion to just simply float and drift down the river of life. And that's why he says, pay attention to Jesus. If you don't pay attention to Jesus, you're just going to find yourself drifting. He says, pay attention because if you do nothing, you're just going to drift. If you're not careful to pay attention to Jesus, you're just going to float by and float through life. And in the end, it leads to destruction. And honestly, some of you, you're just simply drifting right now. If you're honestly, look at your life. There's no urgency for Jesus. There's no diligence. There's no real angst. There's no diligence in pursuing Jesus. There's no real focus about Jesus. Your eyes are on a million other things rather than Jesus. Now listen to me because the result is not you standing still. There is no standing still. You're drifting. You're drifting away. And you, listen, you cannot float your way to heaven. You can't drift into it. And so the point is here. Pay attention. Pay closer attention to what you're already doing. Pay attention to Jesus. Pay attention to your life, the Christian life, and your relationship with God, there is no standing still. There's no standing still. And sadly, many Christians, maybe some of you in this room, you're just, you're just drifting. Drifting is deadly in the Christian life. Floating by will get you nowhere. But the remedy is in Hebrews 2.1 when he says, pay attention to Jesus. Jesus is better. Jesus is better than drifting. Jesus is better than just floating by. He says, pay attention to Jesus. Everything in this world is battling for your affections, is it not? 
Everything in this world is pulling you and twisting you and tugging on you. Your eyes, your ears, your thoughts, your, your emotions, your affections, everything is pulling you. And he says, listen, he says, listen, Jesus is better. Jesus is better. Listen to Jesus. Jesus is better. Pay attention to Jesus. Jesus is better. Follow Jesus. Jesus is better. So trust Jesus. Grab hold of Jesus lest you drift away because Jesus is the only boat that's going upstream. Jesus is the only boat that's going to lead you away from the destructive world of sin. It's the only boat that's going to lead you away of of an indifferent lifestyle. And since chapter 1 shows us that Jesus is better, this paying attention and this listening to Jesus, listen, is not a burden. It's a delight. Oh, Jesus, I see you. God, give us eyes to see that Jesus is better than angels, that Jesus is better than the law, that Jesus is ruler, that Jesus is king, that Jesus is mighty. Because when I see that, then listening to Jesus is not heavy, but it's light and it's good. Hebrews is pleading with us today, don't get lured downstream by deceitful desires. If you're taking notes, write this one down. Jesus is not giving you a job to do but rather an invitation to accept. An invitation to accept. He's pleading with us. Jesus is holding out his hand. You're drifting, and he's saying, I'm right here. I want to take you with me. I want you to be with me where I am. I want you to know me. I want you to have a relationship with me. Would you just get on with me? Because anything else is going downstream. The mark of a true child of God is that he doesn't drift for long. I'll be honest with you, there's days, there's weeks, there's months, there's seasons where sometimes I find myself just simply going through the motions, just simply doing life and flippantly and not directly. But it's not not long before the Holy Spirit gets hold of you, is it? The Holy Spirit grabs you and says, says, Eric, you're drifting. You're just going through it. Listen, listen. The Holy Spirit will grab hold of you. And the the mark of a true child of God is that you don't drift for long. And and so follow me. If you find yourself drifting this morning, there, there is a sign of hope for you that if you truly are born again, you should feel spurred by this text. Like a like a like a like a spur in the hip of a horse. It should wake you up, it should get your attention. It should grab you where he says, listen, fix your eyes on Jesus. Focus on Jesus. Don't listen to Jesus. Don't just drift. Don't just drift. The sign that you are truly born again is that this text is not condemning you. It's waking you up. It's waking you up to the true reality that Jesus is inviting you into. There's a rising in your heart to turn to Jesus. There's, a, there's a, a consideration of Jesus that you want to listen to him. Now, the opposite is true. One of the signs that you're probably not born again is that you hear this text and you hear what I'm saying, and really there's no desire for you to prevent your drifting. There's no real urgency. You know you're drifting and you don't care. And you'll walk out of here this morning with no contemplation, no repentance, no thought on where you are, and you'll continue to live your easy life of drifting. But the invitation is for you. Listen to me. If we true choose to listen to the Son of God, 
and to grab hold of him. If we, if we remain indifferent and continue to drift, the text is going to say that we are neglecting a great salvation. Look at it with me. Therefore, because God wants to speak to you through his son and Jesus is better than everything, Therefore, we must pay much more closer attention to what we've heard. So there is a message of good news because he's talking about hearing there. Pay close attention to the gospel. Pay close attention to what you've heard, lest we drift away from it. For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable, he's talking about the Old Testament. He's talking about the commands. Remember, we talked about how the angels declared the commands to the people and gave them the law. And they said, okay, we adhere that the law is good and the law is true and the law is reliable. The commandments are reliable that every transgression and every disobedience has received a just retribution. He says, don't you see that the law is right, that the wages of sin is death? That is true and that is reliable. How then shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? If the law shows us our sin, how would we neglect a great invitation from Jesus to be saved? Listen to what it says. It was declared first by the Lord. This message of salvation, this gospel, this good news, it was declared first by God himself, and it was attested to us by those who heard, while God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. And so what he's saying here is that the only reason why any one of you would want to neglect Jesus's offer of salvation is because you think that somewhere else something is better to listen to. But he's saying, no, no, if Jesus's message of salvation is actually better than the message that was given by the angels. Amen. Salvation is better than the commandments. Salvation is better than the law. See, see, the law is valuable. The law is good. The law was given by God through angels to you. But this message, this message of salvation, this comes from God's Mouth. This comes from God in the flesh. This comes from God himself bringing a message to you. And not only that, it was God's idea. God's plan of salvation was God's idea. And he's bringing it. You see, the verse pleads with us, and it says the Old Testament commandments, they were declared by angels, and they proved to be true, that the wages of sin is death. But what makes you think that this message of salvation, which is declared by God himself, doesn't carry with it even more weight? Even more weight. He says, there's no way you're going to escape. How are you going to escape? How are you going to escape death? How are you going to escape sin? How are you going to escape the wages of sin? How are you going to do that if you neglect listening to Jesus? He says, salvation is God's plan. Listen to Jesus. Receive him by grace through faith. You cannot escape the penalty of sin except through Jesus. Don't neglect the invitation. What distinguishes a Christian believer from a non-Christian, a non-believer is that the Bible says that the Christian has been born again. What that means is just that we have a new nature. It's like, like the old me has passed away and the new me has come. It's not just me trying to do harder or work better. 
It actually says that the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of me. And so now I have a new nature. And in my new nature, I'm given new eyes. In my new nature, I'm giving new ears. In my new nature, I'm giving new thoughts. I have a new heart, which allows me to see Christ as supremely valuable. And so God has spoken in these last days through Jesus. Therefore, we want to pay attention to Jesus. And because I'm born again, I see that as a treasure. I see that as the fact that I want to listen to Jesus before I didn't. I didn't want anything to do with Jesus. I didn't care about that. But now, being born again, I want to listen to Jesus. Now follow me. Everything in your Christian life grows and flows out of you listening to Jesus. Everything in your Christian life grows and flows out of you listening to Jesus. Without that, without listening to Jesus, the Christian life is simply unlivable. You can't. You need to listen to Jesus. And these four verses says that you will drift away if you don't. It's not my words, it's these words. You'll drift away. Without this, you will neglect a great salvation. And so how do we respond to that? Let's have the band come up and let's prepare our hearts. Maybe the Holy Spirit is spurring you today. Maybe God is creating something in you today. I want to remind you this morning that Jesus is better. That Jesus is the creator of all things. That Jesus is the sustainer of all things. That Jesus is the heir of all things. That Jesus is the ruler of all things. And listen to me. Jesus is the purifier of your sin if you will trust him. If you will put your faith in him. It says that he'll wipe away every sin. He will make you as white as the snow. It says every stain, every blemish he puts as far as the east is from the west. If we just simply trust him, he will purify you through his cross. How could we not want to pay attention to that great salvation? How would we not want to take hold of that invitation? Maybe you're here this morning and you're being honest with yourself and you realize that you're drifting. Maybe you're here and you realize you're just floating through life. Church, maybe. Prayer, here or there. God's word, not so much. You're just floating. Maybe you realize you're drifting and you're neglecting the salvation offer of Jesus. And I'm not just talking about justification. I'm talking about growing in Christ-likeness here. Maybe you're saying, I'm drifting, and I don't want that. Maybe you're here and you say, I don't want to drift anymore, Eric. God, I don't want to float anymore. Maybe you're hearing you're saying that and you're asking then, okay, what do I do then? 
If I don't want to just float or drift, what do I do? Well, here's the deal. The greatest part of this invitation from Jesus is that God receives broken and jacked up people. That you're not too far down the river that he can't get you. That's the beautiful beauty of the gospel, isn't it? That he receives you. That's, that just seems to be how God does it. And the greatest news for you, listen, what you do is not you just begin to do this and do this and change this and change this. Listen, that's not the gospel for you today. The gospel for you today is to simply start by saying, Jesus, I need your help. If you just simply right now, right where you are, if you're drifting, just simply cry out and say, Jesus, I need your help. I'm floating. I'm getting carried away here by the current. I need your help. Maybe you need to confess, I've made a mess of my life. Maybe you need to be honest with God. For the first time in a long time, I've sinned. I've fallen short. I need your help. I've made a mess, and I need you to forgive me. Maybe you're here, and you just simply would admit that. Once you do, I pray that you would feel the Holy Spirit of God just grabbing hold of you and pulling you onto his ship his ark of salvation and say, no, no, you're coming with me now. Look, look, look at me. He says, fix your eyes on me. Listen to me. Listen to my voice. My voice is what matters. And he grabs hold of you. I pray that he grabs hold of you. And from there, when you just simply confess that you need Jesus to help you from there, I want to encourage you make provisions Place yourself in the Bible. Read it. Listen to it. Read it with others. Share it with others. Put yourself in a place where you can hear the words of Jesus taught and preached. Put yourself in a place where you can start listening to God. May his voice trump every other voice for you so that you would be able to stand. Did you know the Bible says that when we take the word and we hide in our hearts, it says that we hide your word in our hearts so that we might not sin against you. But when we do that, it says that we will be a people that's not tossed to and fro by the winds and the waves, but we will have a steady foundation, which is God's voice and God's word and God's message through Jesus. And we will have a foundation to stand. And so maybe you're here today and you say, Eric, I don't know what to do. Cry out to him. Pray to him. Ask him to help you. Here's a beautiful, beautiful truth out of God's word. It says, anyone who calls upon me, I will not cast out. I will receive joyfully. When you do that, you will see that Jesus is better than drifting. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, you see our hearts, you see our lives, your, your word says that you, you see us naked and bare, vulnerable before you see everything, ins and outs, and so Jesus, Holy Spirit, would you spur us this morning? 
Would you lead us in truth this morning? Holy Spirit, will you help us? Help me this morning? Right now, right where you're at, every eye closed and every head bowed, right now, would you just take a moment, if you find yourself drifting, would you just take a moment and respond to God and just say, Jesus, help me. I'm not going to say it for you. I want you to have a personal talk with God right now and just ask Jesus to help you. Will you do it right where you are? Jesus, help. Jesus, help me. Jesus, take me. Jesus, grab hold of me. Jesus, forgive me. Jesus, lead me. Jesus, open my eyes. Jesus, open my ears. Jesus, I don't want to drift. Jesus, you're better. Lord, you're better. Oh, please, God, show yourself. Lord, here we are, your sons, your daughters, your church, your people. We're asking you to change us from the inside out, that we would devote ourselves completely to listening to you. Would you drown out the noise, oh God? Drown out the the unfruitful, unvaluable noise is in this life. Teach us, lead us, help us listen to you above all things. Oh, Jesus, please, in your precious name, in your precious name, amen. Amen.